No read ahead. Okay, so as you know, we're going through this book, which is, a, as Alec covered with us last week, uh, it's a list is a list of elders, qualifications for elder, but it's, it's really much more than that. It's a list of qualifications to be a godly man. As we discussed before, you know, and I'll discuss again in this one, um, we always come to the point of thinking, I'm never going to get there. That's never going to be me. And I think that, and, it, and by the way, if you are uh, considered to be an elder and you fill out this multi I don't know how many questions it is now, 35, 40 question, 40 uh, question questionnaire, you'll really be convinced you'll never get there. We never measure up. But anybody know what an asymptote is? Mathematicians out there? Okay. So, and, and nuclear guys. I see two nuclear guys who raise their hands. So, asymptote is the idea that you continually get closer to, but you never hit. That's what we will be this side of eternity, and this is what we get closer to, to being a godly man. So it doesn't matter where you are on the curve. It matters your trajectory. Many of us are married to women who are closer to Christ than we are, but we're still called upon to be the leaders in the home. How's that work? Well, two things. One is we learn from our wives and follow their example, and the other is that it doesn't matter where we are. It matters our trajectory. If we're seeking to follow God, we can still lead, and we are commanded to lead. Okay, on to my topic, and I do have one. So, Getz calls this building a good reputation. Now, that's not really the words that are used. Interestingly, it's, it's covered in both Titus and first, uh, first Timothy and Titus, but Paul uses different words. And let me say a word, too, about... Uh, Paul's lists. You're gonna, we're going to spend the whole semester going through Paul's list, so about 20 characteristics. Paul really finely tuned those lists. You'll see what I put up there uh, down in the, the word guide, uh, and epileptos, uh, lemptos, and, and, and whatever it is. Uh, three uses and five uses. That means the word was only used two other times in Scripture. And the other word was only used four other times. Paul really aimed in, and that's true of a number of the words that he uses. He really focused in on exactly the characteristics that God wants to build in us. And this uh, opening passage is no exception. So, now a bishop, and don't get misled by that, particularly if you come from a liturgical background. A bishop is the same thing as an elder. Okay? So, it's not uh, high up and far away. It's something that each of us, it's a, an, an attribute of, of uh, each of us needs to be aiming at. And by the way, please pray for your elders, a number of whom are in this room, because we ain't there either. So um, we need you to pray for us because one of the things that happens, like in the Charge of the Light Brigade, when you get ahead of the herd, the bad guys shoot at you. Okay? So... Um, Please pray that, you know, we don't get shot. Um, so now a bishop must be above reproach, husband of one wife, and these are the other characteristics that other speakers will deal with. So that word, it's not like we're acquitted. It's like we could never be charged. It's like you bring 
um, Mother Teresa up before a court and say, okay, well, what can you charge her with? We're not even going to bring her to the court. That's the kind of life we're supposed to live, where essentially the quality of life is sitting around, a bunch of of, uh, guys sitting around thinking, well, who can we go after today? Well, what about Gordon Kesting? I think we'll go after him. And they say, nah, so we'll stick to him. Anybody remember Teflon? Teflon? Okay. Uh, those of us old enough, the skillets, those nonstick skillets used to be coated with Teflon. I don't know what they're made with now. Um, I think bullets are now sometimes. The, uh, but the idea that nothing will stick to you. And that's sort of the same idea here. It just nothing sticks. And then in, in uh, Titus, if any man is blameless, husband of one wife, etc. So it, it's not that you are innocent when called to account. It's the same idea that they don't even bother to call you to account because it's a waste of time because there's nothing there. We're going to see an example of a guy a little later on who really lived that out. Yes, but we get closer to it. Now, Getz, in his book, in the book, focuses on the idea of reputation, how we're regarded by others. And there's value in that. It can really be a good indicator of where we are in our Christian lives. But you've got to be careful about it. Who's repu- in whose eyes is your reputation established? Sometimes God calls us to be a majority of one. Andrew Jackson had a quote. Um, God plus one man is a majority. And sometimes we're put in that position. Notice what Christ says, and I gave you the quote in Luke, uh, but in, he also says it in Matthew. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. So just because nobody's saying anything bad about me, or even saying good things about me, I've got to be careful who's saying it. Okay, just because I have a lot of, a lot of uh, friends on Facebook doesn't necessarily mean I'm living the way God wants me to. And as the point I make there, too, in a hostile environment, an environment that's opposed to Christ or opposed to us and opposed to us, then we may be like Jeremiah, an audience of one, that we have to look for our approval and self-regard vertically because we're not going to get it around here. We're not going to get it horizontally in that hostile environment. They're not going to give that to us. And frankly... We probably always need to have that perspective because we always have an audience of one, ultimately. I can fool some of the people all the time and all the people some of the time. I can never fool God. So he's always the, not the greater, he's the loving father who wants us to be better than we are. Can you advance me? Thanks. It works better that way. So building a good reputation. Another thing is is whose reputation? About whose reputation am I concerned? Mine? I mean, Paul says, yeah, I need to be concerned about that. But who else? Concerned about the reputation of God and the faith of his people insofar as, sorry, insofar as I can affect those. So 
at the end of Romans 2, and when Marty led us through that, you may remember Romans 2 is where he's talking to Jews. And he says to him, you who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Jews were living in such a way, the Gentiles said, if that's Judaism, I don't want any part of it. We can live that way too. Guys, got your FGL things on your car? What does that say to the other drivers around you? That's frankly why I don't put one on. Not so much because I, I drove, I drive that well. Sort of I do, but, but the other reason is a lot of times I just do dumb things and I don't even know I'm doing them. But anyway, but if you have one or anything else, or even if you don't, I got to remember I'm driving, I'm living, I'm talking, I'm acting for the honor of God. If I'm known to be a believer, or people even, people even suspect it, they evaluate God by what they see in me. It's a heavy burden to carry, so we need to shift that burden to Christ. But, but recognize, hey, I'm, as uh, somebody commented, I may be the gospel anybody ever sees. And similarly, this is a quote I really am challenged by in Psalm 69. Let not those who hope in thee be put to shame through me. O Lord God of hosts, let not those who seek thee be brought to dishonor through me, O God of Israel. And then in uh, 69.9, a verse that's used, that Christ uses to refer to himself, or that refers to Christ, for zeal for thy house has consumed me, and the insults of those who insult thee fall on me. So, that thing about reputation, sometimes I'm going to have a bad reputation. And sometimes it's because of Christ. And that's okay. As a matter of fact, as you know, in the Beatitudes, Christ commends us for that. But be careful about that. Circumstances where I'm living badly, particularly in terms of insensitivity or arrogance, and clothing it in Christianity brings disrepute upon Christ. It may bring persecution to me, which I say, well, I'm suffering for the faith. No, I'm suffering because I'm a jerk. Okay? So I need to be careful not to get the two confused. And I'll cover that a little bit um, when I move ahead. Make sure I'm covering all these gems of wisdom. And actually they are if God gives them to us. Okay, next slide, please. Said I'd tell you about a guy who really had a superlative reputation. Hard to, hard to read up here, but it's on your sheets. So in Daniel 6, one of those really frustrating verses about work. Then the presidents and the satraps, so those are the higher-ups in the Persian Empire, sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel, I'm just going to speak, uh, with regard to the kingdom but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault, any fault, because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. May that be said of us. The only thing wrong I can see you doing is being a faithful man. That's good. What about the rest of us? 
how can I cooperate with God in seeking to live beyond reproach? In building or rebuilding, every now and then, I know I have, um, an excellent reputation. Get input from people who know you well and are willing to tell you the truth. Sometimes they, that second one is tough because they don't want to hurt you because they care about you. But if you can persuade them to tell you the unvarnished truth, you may be blessed already and have somebody around, having someone around who already does that. You may be a little over-blessed in that perhaps. Um, but um, we need those kinds of people around us. So I suggest spouse, close male friends, not close female friends. Probably that's not, probably not the healthiest intimacy to build. Um, and your children, depending on their age. They can be, young children can be, as Getz covers in his book, can be amazingly helpful in this because they're unfiltered. What they think, they say. So, might try it. Now, the second one is the point that I said I was going to come back to. I need to be willing to sift truth from hostile or mostly uninformed criticism. I can get a lot of grief. <coughs> 90% of it may be completely false, driven by the dislike of the individual has for me or a misinterpretation. What about that 10%? Maybe that's something I need to hear. Maybe God put that in my path because I'm not going to hear that from anyone else. So I need to be able to sift those out. It's hard to do when I feel uh, upset or uh, put upon. Especially, um, anybody see Remember the Titans? Okay. Um, there's a, you probably don't remember it, but there's a, uh, Yost is the really nice guy, sort of pretty nice guy who's, who's the assistant coach. And one of the coaches who works for him uh, has sort of a, uh, has it out with him because Yost, who's white, is getting close to, uh, is really buying into Denzel Washington's program of coaching. And so they just want to be liked. That's me. I am very much that way. And that can kill you in this circumstance here because we conform our behavior to try to be liked. Instead, we need to be open to that hostile or uninformed criticism, sift through that, take the valid and correct it, and ignore, ignore the rest. Okay, be willing to let God lead. I may have a lot of projects that I think I need to change in myself, but God may have a different priority list. Like, I may want to keep my shoes shined every day, which I don't, by the way, um, and God's priority is to get me to stop robbing banks. So I just completely, you know, I don't have any sense of what the big issues are, the big rocks in the jar. So I need to let God lead that. Build from the inside out and the top down. <coughs> I may work at stuff that's external. And probably when we get to the application section, probably the first things that will come to mind will be, will be practical things that I can work on. And they're, they're probably externals. But the goal is the inside out. It's the transformation of my character. So I need to be careful that I'm not doing so many things on the outside 
that I don't pay attention to the inside because that's where the change happens. And the top down from God working in me, not me generating my own. Recognize it's a journey. Okay? I'm not there yet. I won't be there until after I go to be with Christ. And even then, he's the one that's going to accomplish the work, not me. But he commands me. He doesn't just encourage me. He commands me to be on that journey. Journey together with godly men around you. If you don't have godly men around you, men to whom you are close, that's a great place to start that journey. Okay. And then lastly, and this one's a, a little more painful one. <coughs> For some issues, repentance may be the beginning of the journey, but it may take a long time to get past the consequences of the thing that I have to repent from. It may be a lifetime, and I never escape those consequences fully. It's not because God doesn't love me. It's because it just it takes a while. But God promises to use those scars for his glory and my good. But they'll still be scars. They'll still hurt. Um, I give you in your notes some scripture references on that, mostly dealing with David in his life. You know, and when... Nathan comes and confronts him about the sin with Bathsheba. And, and uh, David says, I did it. I'm the man. And Nathan says, God's forgiven you. You won't die. But the rest of your life, those things that, I, that I've told you that God would do, he will do. Because those are the consequences of what you've done. So repentance may be the beginning, but don't let that frighten you. Don't let that frighten us. The key thing is doing the repenting. If there's an issue in your life where you really need to do that, do it. Otherwise, it'll be fatal, disastrous, not only to you, but to those around you. But recognize it's going to take a while to work through those. Next slide, Maestro. Okay, so discussion questions. Excuse me. These are all taken from gets. What things, attitudes, actions, or patterns in my life that damage might damage my reputation? And what would God have me do about at least one of them? The second one is a really, really interesting one. In what areas might people have misunderstood or misperceived my words or actions and, show th and so think less of me than is really justified? And how might I correct that without appearing defensive? That's a tough one because we don't necessarily want to. Our focus is not our reputation. Our focus is living for Christ and honoring him. And then what step do you think God wants you to take this week? Okay. Any questions before I leave? To your tables.